Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Praise God. Let's stand together. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, just one verse in your hearing. I know all of you are going to have testimonies through this season we've just been through. I can tell you this. Our furnace went out. Our car wouldn't start. Water heater went on the fritz. And you know what? My wife and I figured out how to light the water heater. Brother Gruber came over and took care of our furnace. And AAA got my car started. None of it cost me a dime. (laughs) Praise God. 2 Corinthians 6 and 17. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. That's important that we see that. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. And today I want to preach to you on this subject. It's time to touch the king. It's time to touch the king. God bless you. You may be seated. I can't cover all of these today, but I'll hit a few high points with you. There are some no-touching things in both the Old and the New Testament. Perhaps one of the most obvious is the Nazarite vow. The Nazarite vow said that in uh, Numbers chapter 6 and verse 6, that you were not allowed to touch a dead body. No touching of the dead. You were not allowed to drink any alcoholic beverage. That included wine. Let me share this with you. Did you know that a Nazarite was not even allowed to eat a grape? much less a raisin. And the reason for that was that was actually a progression to a fermented drink. So to stay as far away from a fermented drink as you could, you were not even allowed to eat grapes or raisins. Now, I like grapes. How many of you like grapes? Good, good. No more grapes with the Nazarite vow. What was God saying? Stay as far away from something that can get a hold of your life and ruin it. God's not just making rules so that he can prove that he's boss. He already knows he's boss. You might not know that, but you will because every knee will bow And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You might not know it now, but God doesn't have to make rules to prove who he is. He makes rules to keep us from evil and to protect us and provide us with good. And so he says no touching. He talks about lepers. You can read about it. 
Don't touch a leper. Matter of fact, a leper had to form their own colony and stay many hundred yards away from people that did not have leprosy. And they had to yell out that they were unclean, unclean, so that their disease would not fall on another person. So don't touch a leper. And don't touch the ark, the holiness of God. They were warned that only the priests could carry the ark of the covenant. And that on poles. And that only the high priest once per year could enter into the holy of holies for the sins of Israel. Don't touch the ark. And God is serious about it. Let me read it to you from 2 Samuel 6 and 6. When they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzziah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his heir, and there he died by the ark of God. Do you see what happened? The ark was shaking. Maybe the ox stepped in a hole, and it twisted, and it, and it looked like it could fall off of the cart. And so Uzzah does what you and I would probably think to do. Oh, we don't want the ark falling off and ending up on the ground. So he reaches up and holds the ark from falling. And God said, I warned you not to touch the ark and now you die. Sounds pretty severe, doesn't it? Doesn't sound like it's logical or even practical, but God means what he says. And he says what he means. And there are consequences for touching unclean things. And as, as pastor, I feel I need to say this to you. There are a lot of things that we need to keep our hands off of. Because the world is giving us introductory offers to things that will destroy us and separate us from God. I call them introductory offers. You know, what's wrong with smoking a cigarette? Or taking a joint? And by the way, listen to the terminology of this stuff that you can get involved in. Dope. Who wants to be called a dope? A junkie. Is that, you like being, most people don't like being called names. But even the terms that are associated with alcohol and drugs and fornication and adultery and pornography, that's not a title you want to wear. That's not something that's going to come off real easy. And so they are introductory offers. Well, one, you know, one cigarette. I, I'm, I'm not going to smoke several packs of cigarettes a day. Just try this introductory offer of smoking or, or have a joint because it will calm you down or give you a buzz. Just try it. I'm warning you. It is an introductory offer. And, and you know, you can do the same thing with alcohol. 
What's wrong with a glass of wine on a special occasion? Come on. It's an introductory offer. And a beer? What's one beer? It's an introductory offer. Don't touch it. Because, listen, listen carefully now. I, I, I am so excited about preaching to you today, I can't, I'm holding myself back. Don't touch it, because once you touch it, it will touch you. And when it gets its hands wrapped around you, you will find out that you have been caught up in vices. That you never intended to get involved in. But you accepted an introductory offer to an unclean thing. You touched it, now it touches you. You thought you could control it, but now it controls you. Well, what are you saying, Brother Kylie? Is it wrong to, to, to do these things in any amount? Yes! Let me be plain. Absolutely. Don't drink any fermented drinks. Don't drink any alcohol. Don't do any drugs. Don't smoke any cigarettes. Don't do any weed. Don't get involved in pornography. Don't think you're going to control it. Run from lust. Flee youthful lust. Stay as far away from it as you possibly can. Don't do any drugs. Don't lust after any other person. Don't touch it. Because it'll touch you. And it will destroy you. It will destroy your marriage. It will destroy your family. It will destroy your relationship with God. Can I say it any plainer than that? Don't touch it. Don't touch it. Stay away from it. Why, God, why did you say don't touch it? Because I know what it'll do to you. I remember I, I worked at Pittsburgh Paint, one of the places I worked um, after I got saved, and, and there was a guy named Julio. And Julio, uh, I invited him out to church, and, and he said that he would come, and he came. He came on a Sunday morning, and man, we had a great service, and, and it looked like he had a good time. And on Monday morning... When I came into work, there was Julio, and he had about five or six guys standing around him. Looked like a little pack of wolves. And he said, hey, Richie. Called me Richie. He said, hey, Richie. He said, I go to your church on Sunday. I said, yeah, it was good to see you there, Julio. He said, yeah. He said, oh, the women, they are beautiful women. First thing he mentioned, the women. Women are beautiful, dressed so nice, look so good, beautiful women. I said, well, I'm sure they would appreciate that compliment. He said, but I no go to your church again. Why is that, Julio? He said, well, he said, I heard that you believe in tithing. You give the first 10% to God, to the church. I said, that's true, Julio, I, I do believe in that. God has blessed me, and I, I am... I'm thankful. How many of you are glad to give? Hey, I'm glad to give. I don't understand this selfishness where I got to hold on to everything like, 
like Brother Matucci, I don't understand that. But I said, no, no, I, yeah, that's true. He said, 10%, way too much. I said, and God spoke to me. And I said, Julio, you give a lot more to your God than I give to mine. You give a lot more than 10% to the smoking that you do, the drinking. Even now, Julio, you're hungover. Because after church, you went out and got drunk Sunday night, didn't you? Now you're hungover. Let me tell you why I don't do those things. First of all, I don't need it. I don't want it. And I got something better. I don't need it. Maybe that's worth writing down. I don't want it. And I got something better. How about this? How about peace? How about joy? How about righteousness in the Holy Ghost? How's that? How many of you want that in your life? What are you willing to pay for a good night's sleep? What are you willing to give to have joy when everybody else is wringing their hands about, oh boy, is the government going to shut down? Are we going to build a wall or not? I don't care about any of that stuff. I vote and that's it. The rest I just leave up to God. You're getting upset about stuff you can't control. How about doing what you can to be where you're supposed to be so that you can receive what you need? Wouldn't that be a better option? There are some things we just, we need to stay away from them. Don't touch them. Now on the other side of the coin, there are some things we do need to touch. There are some things that we need to embrace, that we need to hold against ourselves. And I'm going to preach about them too. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. I know I skipped some verses, hon, but that's okay. I know you'll pick up on where I am. Hebrews 4 and 14. Speaking of Jesus, it says, seeing then we have a great high priest who gets to go into the Holy of Holies once a year that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest. This is it right here. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Isn't that encouraging? To know that everything you feel, he feels. But was in all points tempted like as we are, and yet he was without sin. Now this is another important verse. You'll see it in a few minutes as to why I'm putting a strong emphasis on it. So let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. We have a high priest that feels everything we feel that has been tempted in all points, and yet he beckons us 
to come to his throne of grace so that we can receive both mercy and grace. Mercy for our sin, grace for our present. I'm pausing for effect. Because I need mercy and I need grace. And I, according to the scripture, even though he's the high priest, I can approach his throne. I have access. The veil has been torn from top to bottom, just before the Holy of Holies, and it has been thrust open so that I can approach God. I can approach God. Hmm. I'm going to skip over Jacob, but look at Jacob. Jacob in Genesis chapter 32, he touched an angel. He did. You can read about it. He was desperate. He needed an answer to his prayer. And and this theological form in the form of an angel appears and they wrestle. I'm going to tell you something. If you wrestle with somebody, you're touching them. And they're touching you. Something is going on here in a wrestling match. That's how desperate Jacob was. And when he got a hold of what he needed, he wouldn't let go. I wonder if sometimes we get in the presence of God and we came because we need an answer from God. We need a word from God. And we feel the presence of God. And and at the end of this service, many people are gonna come to this altar. But don't leave too early. Don't let go too soon. Remember what Jacob said. I will not let you go except you bless me. I ain't leaving until I get what I came for. That's the attitude that we need to have as Christians. I know who gives mercy and grace. And I'm going to his throne and I'm not leaving until I get what I came for. You know, that's how I received the Holy Ghost. I, for six months, I'd come every service to the altar to receive the Holy Ghost. I'd poo-hoo and whine and cry and put my face in my hands and, and say, I love you, Jesus, a thousand times, and nothing happened. Until one day, on a Sunday morning, I told my wife, that's it. If I don't come home tonight, You call in to work tomorrow and tell them I need a personal day because I'm not going home until I get the Holy Ghost. If I have to stay there all night by myself, the next day, whatever, it's that important to me. And I'm going to get what I came for. It takes that kind of determination sometimes, folks. I'm telling you. We need a brand new touch, folks. I love the song that Lanny Wolf wrote. Lord, you know, I need a brand new touch. My strength from yesterday is gone. But if you'll give me, Lord, another touch, I'll have the strength to carry on. I thought the sun had come to stay, but oh, too soon it went away. And in its place the storm clouds came 
and with the clouds there came to rain. But Lord, I need a brand new touch. Because touching Jesus is all that really matters. Then your life will never be the same. There's only one way, only one way to touch him. Just believe when you call on his name. Oh, he touched me. He touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. And something happened. And now I know he touched me. And he made me whole. Because you see, in the New Testament, Jesus went against everything he taught in the Old. You know why? Two reasons. Number one, he's the king of kings and he can do whatever he wants. He's he's the one exception to being above the law. And number two, he met the needs of people because he was stronger and greater than any disease or any sin known to men. See, the reason that that I can't touch the leper unless God moves on me to do it is because maybe I'm not greater. But he is. That's why he put his hand on the leper and healed him. Don't, he's unclean. Don't touch him. Oh, I can handle it. I'm greater than leprosy. I'm greater than cancer. List any disease you want. That's why I took the stripes on the cross. All of the diseases that have ever been known, this is worth writing down, all of the diseases ever known to men, known to men are listed in 40 categories. And Jesus took 40 stripes, one for each of them. And by his stripes, we are healed. We are healed because this king is greater than any disease. How about the woman with the issue of blood? Oh, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. But I can't make a frontal approach to Jesus. I can't give my prayer request to Jesus because you see the condition that I am in causes me to be unclean. So I will sneak up on him and I'll just just get at his feet and and touch even the hem of his garment. But I have to have contact with God. And when that contact was made, Jesus noticed it. Who touched me? I'm sorry, Lord. I'm the one. Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. She, listen, she touched him and he touched her. And when that happened, the miraculous took place. Prayer touches God. Fasting touches me. That's why I don't like it. 
but it gets, it, it stirs up the river. It brings the garbage to the surface. Well, I'm just going to ignore it. It's just going to keep building up until you fast. Pretty soon the garbage will be above the water line. We need a brand new touch. Lord, you know I bring a brand new touch. How about Thomas? We saw Jesus. You did. Yeah. I don't believe it. Except I touched his hands or his side. I'm not going to believe it. Now Mary, Mary when she met him, Jesus had to say to her, Mary, now, now that you know who I am, stay back. Don't touch me because I have not yet ascended. The sacrifice has been made, but it needs to be brought to the mercy seat. So don't touch me yet. So stay back. But Jesus heard what Thomas said, just like Jesus hears everything you say. Somebody said amen. And so he appears in a room that is locked. And he said, Thomas, come here, boy. You want to touch? There you go. And stick your hand in my side. That'd be this side, close to my heart. And be not faithless, but believing. And listen to what Thomas said. My Lord and my God. And Jesus said, oh no, I'm just, I'm only one third of the Godhead. He said, stop being faithless and believe. You believe because you see, but blessed are they who have not seen. That's me. I'm one of those who have not seen, but have believed. And I think that sometimes we don't see, but we need to believe. I think sometimes we don't feel, but we need to believe. I think sometimes we don't hear, but we need to believe. We need to stop relying on our five senses and start believing God's word. Believe God's word. Let me give you this. I want to tell you one more story. There was a queen named Esther. She was a Jew. But the king did not know that she was a Jew. There was a man, a high up official in Assurances, who was the king, in his government. His name was Haman. He hated the Jews. And in particular, he hated a guy named Mordecai, who stood at the gate because his niece was Esther. And he was supposed to look out for her. But he couldn't get in the gate. And Haman hated the Jews and Mordecai so much that he went to the king one day and said, King, 
reign, reign and live forever. There are a sect of people in your kingdom that have a completely different set of laws than you have. Furthermore, they don't respect and obey the laws you have. So here is my proposal. Let's exterminate them. Matter of fact, I will pay 10,000 pieces of silver to have other people kill them. Will you agree to this? And the king said, well, they're not going to live by the laws and they are not going to respect my kingdom. Then I guess we have to get rid of them. Very gracious of you to be willing to pay. And so he gave the $10,000. And then he decided that he was going to make a special example of Mordecai and build him a separate gallows and hang him. Now Mordecai heard about this, but because he cannot get a hold of Esther, he somehow smuggles a message in. And here's what happens in Esther chapter 4 and verse 11. Because Mordecai wants Esther to intercede for Israel, for the Jews. You need to go to the king. And you know, maybe God puts you in this position for such a time as this. And I remind you that when they find out you're a Jew, that's the end of you. You better do something about this. All the king's servants and the people of the king's promises do know that whosoever, whether a man or a woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court who is not called. There is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these 30 days. So Mordecai gives her the warning, and then in verse 16, this is what Esther said. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me. And neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so I will go unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. Verse 1 of Esther 5. Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. And it was so when the king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the court, that she obtained favor in his sight. Oh. Two things I want to point out. Esther had a great respect for the king. 
she came to the king's house in royal apparel. The best she had. The clothing that distinguished her as being the queen. And then number two, when she approached, she stayed in the inner court, but a great distance away. And when the king saw her, I wonder if it had to do with three days of prayer and fasting. That the favor for Esther came to the king. Listen listen to his response. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near And she touched the top of the scepter. Let me explain to you what a scepter is. A scepter represents the ruling of the king. It represents his power, his authority, his mercy, and his grace. If he extends it, you're spared. But nobody walks in on the king. If you don't have an appointment and you try and approach the king, there will be several guards that will wrestle you to the ground. Where do you think you're going? Who do you think you are that you could even approach the king and talk to him, much less touch him? Are you kidding me? That ain't going to happen. And they just killed people that tried to do it. You couldn't get anywhere near the king. But because of prayer and fasting and a willingness to be obedient to God, This woman took a chance and stood in the court and waited to see what the king would do with her life. And because of the favor, he extended the scepter. And then he said, tell me what you want. Up to half of my kingdom, I'll give it to you. Wow. You talk about, and this is not a good king, folks. This is a wicked king. And he said, what do you want? He said, I'd like to make you supper. I'd like you to invite Haman. That's all? That's all you want? Yeah, that's it. Just like to make supper. Okay, well, go tell Haman when when you want to have supper, he'll be there. And they come over, and they're having supper, and Haman thinks, boy, this is great. I get to be with the king and the queen, and I have an exclusive interview. And Esther says, King, I'd like to bring this to your attention. There are a group of people that live in your kingdom. They're called Jews, and I am one of them. And Haman here has talked you into destroying all of the Jews who have done you no harm and have been obedient to your laws, even the ones they don't agree with. And Asherius is so upset But he said, Haman, you're through. And the gallows that were made for Mordecai are the gallows that Haman hung on. What a king. I want you to know that I have a king who's extending his scepter to you today. You may feel like you're unclean, 
What kind of a royal king would want to touch somebody like me? I'm so unclean and I'm so unworthy. But when the king extends the scepter, you need to touch it. You need to grab it. You need to show your thankfulness. We serve a great king. My last thought for you today. Everywhere in the scripture that it ever mentions a Lord and a Savior together, Lord comes before Savior. I'm not interested in one-minute prayers that don't change people's lives. Make promises that are not scripturally accurate. What I am interested in is I'm interested in people that understand the importance of repentance of not only feeling sorry about the things that they've done, but determining that they're not going to live that way anymore. That they're going to be converted. That they're going to stop touching unclean things. That they are going to be washed in the blood of the Lamb and every one of their sins are going to be remitted. That they're going to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, a genuine experience that will empower their lives to live victoriously over their sins. Therefore, everyone here should approach the throne today with the attitude of Jesus, your Lord. Whatever you say, whatever you want, I'll give it, I'll do it, I'll be it. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And we will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon us. And we will be witnesses unto him. Listen to what Jehovah's titles reveal this morning. But they all begin with him being Lord. Jehovah Sabuth, the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Makad, the Lord who sanctifies. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord is our righteousness. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider. Everything I need, I find when I make him Lord of my life. Lord of my life. Hallelujah. And so today, I invite you to come to this altar and find both a Lord, a Savior, a Master, and a King. And his name is Jesus. And everything you'll ever need, he is willing to give you. Brother Mackey said something that I have never forgotten. He said, when you feel like you've lost all that you had, you still have all that you need. Wow. When you feel like you've lost all that you had, you still have all that you need. God bless you as you come to this altar. Let's worship him.
like he's Lord and King of our lives. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.